This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for June 26, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 40 through 42. The message is by Mother Nancy Stanton. You can clap. 22. That's been done in the last year. Thank you very much. We have three more ready to go. We have one that has been dispersed. Now that is not a bad thing. Remember Bishop John Guernsey, who did priesthood my knee. Um, he had the Diocese of the Holy Shepherd. And it was kind of a catch-all diocese at that point. He had places from Colorado to Florida. And this man traveled all the time. But it was there and it was, it was doing good things, like coming and priesting me, um, that couldn't be done any other way when we were kind of in the middle of things. And that diocese is no longer necessary, and he has been elected the bishop of the Diocese of the Mid-Atlantic, and that takes in Virginia, Pennsylvania, all those areas there. And he will be a wonderful person for there. As much as I love Bishop Roger, and I do, I'm going to miss him being my bishop because he's just a phenomenal man. Six times a year, you pick up the phone and you hear Mother Nancy, how are you doing? And it was Bishop John. And he said, I just called to check on you, see how things were going and to pray with you. Every single clergy he had under his wing he called them six times a year. And every single one got a call Easter Eve and Christmas Eve. Marvelous man. They are very fortunate to have him. So we need to pray for him and pray for his diocese that it become a tremendous success. Now, that's the one thing that I thought was a very exciting thing. Second thing is, we have brought people to Jesus Christ. And the numbers are phenomenal. 987 adults over the age of 30 have been baptized in the last year. 424 people from the age of 16 to the age of 30 have been baptized in the last year. You ready for this one? 1,647 from the age of zero to the age of 16 have been baptized this year. Now, I know I have crummy math, but that adds up to me to 3,058 souls that are now baptized into Jesus Christ. And we just praise the Lord that that has happened. Just a marvelous, exciting time in our church. And we must be doing something right. I think God's pleased with us. That doesn't mean that we need to get puffed up. But we do need to continue to doing the things that God wants us to do. Now, you're the unlucky ones this morning. The last two services got to hear Father Eric, and he had a marvelous sermon. 
then it was on the gospel. However, you're not so lucky because when I prayed this week about what I was to preach on, it was on sin. Yay. <laughs> we don't mention the word sin very often, do we? In my Bible study on Wednesday, we got to talking about it, and nobody could remember the last time they heard something on sin. Now, I'm not going to beat you over the head. It's not going to be hellfire and brimstone. But I want to talk to you about what Ted just read from Romans. And it starts out by saying, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. And that's a good way to start out. But you question, what does this mean? What does it mean that I should not sin? What are the things that I shouldn't be doing? What are the things that I should be doing? And what are the steps that I need to take? And let's just look at a couple steps here. The first step towards victory over sin is in our lives. It's how we are dead to sin and how we are alive to God by faith and how he lives in the light of truth. And because we are alive to God, because through baptism we are part of Jesus Christ, we have taken him in, just like these 3,058 people have done. We then are true believers in Jesus Christ because we have died and become raised to new life in him. We call for Christians, for us as Christians, to become in experience with what Jesus already is. And how do we do that? It's a good question. How do we achieve victory over sin? Well, we've talked about this for weeks and weeks and weeks. We pray, we come to church, we partake in the Eucharist, we listen. We listen to what God wants us to do. We do the things that the Bible tells us, that Scripture tells us to do. And that sounds really simple, doesn't it? But honest, it isn't. We have a day today in this world where things are really hard. Turn on the TV. What do you see? Are you always happy that your children are in the room when you turn the television on? I came home last night, and it was about 9.30 when I got home. And I went in and I turned the TV on. And I didn't even know what channel it was on. I just turned it on. And there was a naked woman standing there. And I mean totally naked. About 9.30 at night. I would not want to have to explain that to my children. 
I don't know how you feel about it, but having raised seven of them, um, the last one was the hardest, being raised in this day and time, because things are accepted today that according to scripture, Jesus says, they shouldn't be accepted. Addictions. One of the things that is the largest addiction in the United States today, what do you think it is? Pornography, you're absolutely right. It is not drugs. How does it act like drugs, does anyone know? They have found in a study that was done that pornography changes the chemicals in your brain. And so when people try to come back and get off of pornography, That was just Satan saying, I don't want you to hear what she has to say. When, when people try to get off of pornography, when they decide that they don't want to do that anymore, the difficulty of getting off of it is more difficult than crack cocaine. Now, my women at the prison used to tell me, Chaplain, it calls to me in the middle of the night. And I have talked to people that have become addicted to pornography who have told me it does the same thing to them. The computer calls to them to get on. We have drugs, of course. And drugs are so easy to get today. When I know how to get drugs, you know they're easy. And I can say to you that I have never tried drugs of any kind in my life other than what I've been given by the doctor. And that sounds very wonderful. And I guarantee you it is not. The reason I never tried drugs is because I'm allergic to so many things. I was absolutely convinced and sure that if I tried something that I didn't know what it was, it would kill me. And the first time that I was ever around pot, was at Ohio State. We were at a concert there, and some people three rows down in front of us were smoking pot. And I never did see the concert. I worshiped the porcelain throne through the whole thing. I am terribly allergic to it. The second time I was ever around it, believe it or not, was when I was working for the state and we had a party as Orient had been closed to a um, facility for the developmentally disabled and had been opened as a prison. And so the people that were leaving all got together and had a party. And the next thing I knew, a group of them were over in the side and they were smoking pot. And I did not have a chance to get out of there before it happened. Now, why I wasn't arrested that night, I have no idea. I believe God was definitely with me. I was in the campus area. We lived in Bexley. I drove home from the campus area to Bexley. 
I thought I was speeding. I looked at the speedometer. I was going 15 miles an hour. Everything was just going so fast. And when I got home, I thought the cat was super cat. I mean, it just was whizzing all over the room. And I didn't know what to do. And David worked nights in those days. So I called him at the tavern and said, what do I do? And he said, I don't know. But the guy he worked with did. And uh, they talked to me on the phone most of the night until I came back down. And it was a horrible feeling for me being allergic to it. It made my brain go nuts. And it was just a terrible feeling. And I know some people enjoy it. And they feel that it should be um, okay for anybody to want to smoke it whenever they want to. Uh, I do, I will stand here and tell you that for medical purposes, I do think that it ought to be allowed. I have seen people that have been in so much pain that it's the only thing that has reduced their pain. And we watched Bill's son die of cancer. And where he lived, it was legal. And um, it was the only thing that kept him going as long as it did. But medical, medicinal marijuana that is checked by a chemist and checked by what you have wrong with you and marijuana that just comes off the street that you have no idea what's in it are two way different things. Temper. Ever think of temper as a sin? I have honestly had parishioners from this church show up at my house at 10, 11 o'clock at night, and their husbands have beat the you-know-what out of them. And the next day, they're so remorseful. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to hurt her. But they have a problem with their temper. They have a problem with the loss of self-control. And that's a rough thing to do. They need help. They need to go for help. love. It sounds like a crazy thing to say, but they really need love. There are all kinds of addictions that we don't think of. I had a problem at one time where I was addicted to books. I was addicted to reading. And I was so addicted to it that I couldn't put the books down. I cooked reading a book. I would wake up in the night and have to go find a particular book that I was thinking I was into Philo at that point, Philo of Alexandria. And I just got into reading it so much that I couldn't let go of it. And it was ruining my life. It was affecting my home life, my life with my children. It was a bad thing. And tell me about how hard it was to break that. I still love to read. I read in moderation. But 
I suffered terribly trying to break that addiction. We have addictions to things that we don't even realize that we do. And those can be sins. Anything that we do that has something to affect our church life, our home life, our life with our spouses and our children, we need to look at that and to see what we need to do to break that addiction. What about if we have a best friend or somebody we work with and we see them doing something that we know is harmful to them? What, what do we do? We're not going to become very popular if we say something to them, are we? What does scripture tell us to do? It tells us to not become very popular. We don't have to go to them and say, oh, you're a horrible, terrible person and you're going straight to hell. But you can go to them out of love and say, I see this affecting your life. What can I do to help you? How can I help you? Or how can I help you find some help? That's the Christian way to go about doing that. You never go to somebody and tell them how terrible they are and that they're going straight to hell. Second thing that we need to do is we need to help other Christians have victory over sin. We need to help them and we need to help ourselves to refuse to allow sin to rule our lives. And we are capable of doing this. Some addictions, as I said, are very difficult to get over because they do change the chemicals in our brains. But if we work together, we can do it. When I was in Akron at one of the conferences that we had, he had a priest there that um, did a talk on addictions and he was addicted to pornography. And he was horribly addicted to it to the point where it affected his entire life. His wife left him, took the children, and he was left by himself and his computer. And he realized that he really needed help. He is so addicted that he cannot turn on the computer without someone with him. Because he said, even today, and this has been years ago, it calls him back. He wants him to go back. And so he has to have someone with him to go through the computer and do what he needs to do. We can help people. We can sit with them if that's all we need to do. Or we can say, I need help, and have someone sit with us whether it's alcohol or drugs or whether it's reading too many books or whether it's gambling, cigarettes, no matter what it is, we can help each other with this sin. And this is the way that Christians can get victory over it. We put ourselves in the service 
of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we feel like, oh, geez, I've got to go and spend the time to do da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But that's our calling. That's what we promised to do when we were baptized, when we became members of the church through confirmation. We promised to be there for other people as well as for ourselves. And so it takes an hour out of your week. Thank you, Jesus, for taking that hour out of my week. Paul says that sin is a power that enslaves and is so personalized and so personified that it becomes our master. The question seems to be raised here is can we can we then 